Welcome to the Entrepreneur Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Chris Wright, and this is your place to get strategies for success in business and in life. Now, let's get straight into the show. Hey, and welcome to episode 30 of the Entrepreneur Playbook Podcast. I'm super excited to announce today's guest, Mr. Jarek Robbins, a man dedicated to helping professionals like you achieve success by living with purpose in your life and business. At just 23, Jarek was awarded the Congressional Award, the Gold Medal from the United States Congress. He has conducted trainings for a variety of companies and organizations, including the United States Marines and Air Force, BMW, Remax, uh, UBS, and members of the U.S. Olympic team. He is a trusted advisor and board member to a variety of different companies and has founded two of his own. And with over a decade of performance coaching experience, he continues to unlock secrets for maximizing performance and organizational success. And he is just getting started. As an innovator, Jarek is applying his own philosophy and living a life of adventure, philanthropy and entrepreneurship. Whether it's cage diving with great white sharks, hanging with silverbacks in Rwanda, white water rafting down the Nile, working as a volunteer in underdeveloped regions or building a powerful enterprise that's built for results. Jarek does more than talk about it. He stretches the boundaries of traditional thinking and makes it happen. So let me welcome to the show, Mr. Jarek Robbins. Hey, everybody. This is the Entrepreneur Playbook Podcast, and I have got Jarek Robbins here with me today. Jarek, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. Of course. Thanks for having me. I am super pumped to get into today's uh, show with you because there's, uh, I'll be honest, I've been kind of following you for freaking ages. and That's creepy. Bit of, a, bit of a stalker, sure. Like, <laughs> But just always take so much value out of the lessons and the content that you put out there. And I'm just, I'm now buzzing to be able to introduce you to my audience. I'm guessing some will know you already, I'm sure, and some will not. So it's, I'm super excited to bring you to them. So again, a huge thank you for coming on the show. Of course. So what I want to dive into is I've told the guys a bit about what you're up to now and, what, and a little bit about what you've done. But what I really want to find out is kind of, I want to take a step back. And what I want to do is look at the experiences and the journeys that you've been on that have sort of shaped you into who you are and how the and your business and your coaching and all that kind of stuff. So one thing that I mentioned in the intro was talking about you or you mentioned as well going on like these trips when you were younger, right? You traveled the world, went to remote villages, building schools and stuff, right? And what I want to know is how those, how though, or if you can tell us a little bit about those experiences and then what about those experiences, how they helped mold you, they shaped your philosophies and things like that. Sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm not sure which specific ones you're talking about, but there's lots of different adventures I've been on. And I, I, I like to consider myself an adventurer. Nice. Uh, I, I like adventures. I, I like traveling and exploring and everything between going to Rwanda and hiking up in the mountains and going to visit the giant silverback gorillas up there and, and the families and everything. That, those are stories that I've heard. Yeah, those are the ones. Going that on crazy. safari and, and, you know, in Tanzania and driving through the Norongoro crater and checking out all the animals and seeing the game drives and everything out that, that's out there um, to living in a village in Uganda and teaching organic farming for three months and no running water, no electricity, no toilets. And all of these different adventures have different things you learn, different things you take, 
uh, I, I think one of the most important things is for years, and, and still today, I love going and exploring and going places and experiencing things I've never done before and places I've never been before. Because I, I think those are amazing life experiences to have, and, and they're really exceptional just pieces of life. Uh, what I found the greatest adventure to be is figuring out how to have that same thrill in normal day-to-day -day simple living. And, and that's one of the hardest adventures most people struggle with every day is lots of people when we're younger, we look externally for adventures. So we look for traveling. And don't get me wrong, there's amazing stories and amazing opportunities to learn and grow all around the world. And, and I think at some point, though, the biggest adventure you'll ever face is coming home, designing a normal day-to-day -day life, doing standard normal type of stuff, but falling so deeply in love with it that it is the greatest adventure you've ever been on, that walking through the park with your, your spouse or your, your kids or your family is the greatest thing you've ever done in your life, that having dinner with someone you love and chatting with them and looking and seeing that sparkle in their eye is the most magical moment you've ever had. And, and I, I think that's one of the biggest struggles most people have is figuring that out at some stage of their life. But to go back to the crazy adventures, um, I mean, I mean, really, truly, I don't know which one you want to talk about. My, one of my favorite ones, that was a big one, was we did a 100-day uh, cruise around the world with Semester at Sea. And we started off in Vancouver, which is a great city. We went to, um, let's see, Japan, China, Thailand, India, Vietnam, Kenya, Tanzania, uh, South Africa, Brazil, Venezuela, back up to Florida. So we went all the way around the globe, circumnavigated the globe on a ship. And in each, in each city we, we ported in, we had anywhere between seven to 10 days to hang out and explore. And so on that trip, I did everything between, um, I don't know, some highlights, visited the Taj Mahal, the Great Wall, um, the, the hidden city, the Xi'an warriors, um, had an opportunity to, to live in a Thai village and teach English at a schoolhouse for a week, which was awesome. I found out that in Thailand, you can literally, by teaching English, you can get two meals a day and a place to sleep for free just in return for teaching English. Amazing. So people, people tell me all the time, like, oh, I can't afford to take trips. It's like, really? I mean, try me. Like, figure out a way to, to fundraise. I met a kid who, who in 2004 was going around the entire globe with $1,800 total that he had saved up from working summer jobs, and he was literally going around the entire globe for a year with $1,800 U.S., yeah, it's like instead of saying, I can't do this, it's saying, how can I do this, right? Yeah, and that's a really big lesson you learn when you're out traveling is the that. lesson that you have to figure out how to make stuff work on the fly. And it's a big lesson because life will throw you so many freaking curveballs that you never expect coming. And, and you know, you arrive somewhere. I remember I, was, I, wrote, I flew into, I think it was Kenya or Tanzania one time, and my backpack just didn't make it. And I didn't have a carry-on. And I had no other clothes or anything. Like, literally, I had the clothes on my body, and I'm standing in Africa, and I have nothing else. And I'm like, wow. So I went to the you know desk, and I asked British Airways, well, when will my backpack get here? And they said, we're not sure. Nice. <laughs> useful. And I said, that, that's <laughs> useful. Thank you for the update. Um, do you know where my backpack is? And they said, no, we're not sure. We can't track it for some reason. We, it's been lost. And I said, well, that backpack has everything I need for the next week of my life here in Africa, and I literally have zero supplies. And they're like, well, we'll let you know if and when we find it, and hopefully we can get it to you. And then I said, P.S., I'm taking a tiny little plane out to the middle of nowhere in the Norongoro crater, and I'm staying at this lodge that doesn't have access to anybody. And they said, oh, don't worry. We'll find a way to get it to you. <laughs> will you? <laughs> and, and I was like, will you then? Okay, wonderful. You're going to magically get this on a charter plane all the way out to me in the middle of nowhere. So they didn't. 
and I had to figure out how to get by with one pair of clothes um, through two days of safari, three day, you know, a day and a half of hiking up in in the deep jungle to go see the gorillas, um, three flight, no, four flights, um, dinners, meetings, all kinds of stuff. One pair of clothes, and I have contact lenses, so I also had to figure out like, what do I do with my contacts? How do I brush my teeth? How do I stay clean or at least smell somewhat right? And and I think the most interesting experience of that was learning how to keep my cool because the the final piece in the big lesson, which was interesting, was I got back to the airport after a week of traveling through the brush and the dirt and the jungle and everything else and smelling. And I had to, I mean, I had to just look awful because I was covered in dust and dirt. My clothes were dirty and smelly. My hair was all jacked up and I'm standing in the airport talking to a, the, the desk agent for British Airways being like, hey, do you guys think you could upgrade me or something for the fact that you just made me spend a week of my life without any supplies that I packed and brought with me because you magically lost my bag? She's like, no, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. Useful and I was advice. like, do you think you can give me like an aisle seat? She's like, no, I'm sorry. So literally, they gave me a seat between two parents with babies that cried the entire flight in the middle. And... And I remember just feeling like rage and frustration and upset and anger. And at some point during that flight, I started laughing. And it was a big lesson. And I was like, dude, I just went on the trip of a lifetime. I mean, I was hiking with the silverback gorillas in Rwanda. I went on a safari. I saw four, a pack of four lions hunt down a buffalo and rip its head off. And it was amazing. Like people can go months and never see that kind of stuff on safari. Yep. Um, I got to stay at all these cool places, meet all these incredible people, have all these incredible experiences, and I'm sitting on a plane flying through the air, the miracle of flight, and I'm smelly and and probably ugly looking at that moment of life and pissed, <laughs> yes. and there's babies crying, and I'm ready to freaking punch somebody because I'm annoyed, and then I thought about it, and I said, wow, how much cooler could this adventure get? And me not realize that it's the greatest adventure I could ever be on instead of being pissed off that it's not how I perfectly imagined it to be in my mind. Yeah. And I think that's a big lesson most people face in day-to-day life. And a lot of people would have taken that moment of standing at the airport without a bag and it, they, they could have let it, they will, and people will let it ruin the rest of their trip, right? They're, as you said, they've gone on this amazing safari and they're focused on their bag not being there, right? Exactly. So what, and like, so that moment, people go through everyday life with that exact experience. Instead of focusing on the beauty and the, the fact that you're living the type of life most people would dream of or pray about every day. And, and every, I mean, you're having this incredible experience of life and you're sitting there pissed off about something that's not the way you want it or not how you imagine it to be. And, and the truth is it's learning how to train your mind to experience the moment, to be very present and to enjoy all that's really there and the opportunity that it's giving to you. It's very important, but most people haven't learned how to do that. And, and in like, so we're talking about that. Let's take a sort of a side trip off there. How do people go from and be present and, and focus on the now and, and not freak out about things that they it's not how they imagined and it's not about how the things how they pictured it would be? I don't know if I'm the best teacher of that <laughs> concept. I mean, there's a lot of monks who've meditated for 50 years of their life who can tell you how to be present because yeah. they focused on it for 50 years and they figured out the secret sauce. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it comes down to honestly practice. Nice. Okay. A, a lot of it is catching yourself in the moment and practicing. I was telling you a story to exhibit the fact that I needed to, to practice at that moment. Yes. And it, and learning, it's a practice. It's not perfect. It's not something where one day you reach the pinnacle of presence and from that day on you will always therefore be present in life. It's like, no, 
doesn't matter if you have been that monk who did practice for 50 years, you have to practice every day. What does practice look like? It looks like your mind wandering out of the present moment, you catching it and bringing it right back to the present moment. It's like, oh, you know, one repetition today. That was nice. And every day having dozens and dozens of repetitions of catching your mind, bringing it back, catching your mind, bringing it back. Uh, the easiest and most consistent way people practice is usually called meditation, where it's like, hey, you practice keeping your mind present and you do it willfully and consistently each day. We do this with our clients in performance coaching. Uh, we, we usually work with executives, CEOs, owners, entrepreneurs. Um, and, and a lot of times it's a secondary core level. Like we focus on the basic level with them of, you know, proper sleep, proper nutrition, proper exercise to yep. get the base of them as a human being up to an exceptional level. And then from there we start working on mindset and state management and mindset. We use a tool called Muse, which tracks basic level EEG brain waves. And, and it literally helps us track how well they're able to clear their entire mind and stay completely present in the moment with zero thoughts. It's very important. And we have them practice that every single day. The cool part is I have a dashboard on my side as their coach that I can pull up each day and I can literally see how well they're performing every day when they do their meditation. I can see if they had 90% clarity of thought and focus or I could see if they had 10% clarity of thought and focus, meaning their mind was jumbled up with thoughts the whole time. Wow. And I can see progressively how they're doing session to session. Not only that, there's another tool we use called Spire, which goes on their belt and it, and it tracks their breathing. And throughout the day, based on your breath rhythm, it'll tell you if you're focused, calm, or tense. And I, it's not ready yet, but in a few weeks, it will be ready that the team said who built the, the little device. And I'll have another dashboard that I can see their breathing patterns throughout the day, and I can see what state they're in most often based on their breath patterns at work and at home. And all of a sudden, I can start to tell, wow, you know, mentally, if you're having a difficult time clearing your mind and staying focused, and state-wise, you're stressed 90% of your day, I know you're having a shit time at life. Yes. And therefore, what do we need to practice? We need to practice you becoming present, so more meditation. We need to practice you controlling your state, so better practice of breathing techniques throughout the day. And if we can get you focused constantly with total clarity of mind, we can get your performance to increase. And so Absolutely. these are simple performance enhancers we work with with our clients because it's just how it works. I mean, I don't know any professional athlete that's in the middle of the game and he's a quarterback or you know a, a, a football player, a soccer player, who, who's like, oh yeah, I was running down the field wondering what my two-year-old at home is doing and thinking about my wife and then thinking about what investments I'm going to do later today. And not only that, I was thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch tomorrow and then I scored a goal. Yeah. I don't even know how it happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's not how people succeed. Like you have to be focused. Absolutely. If you ask them what they were thinking about while they were running down the field to score the goal, it's nothing except for how is it going to get this ball in that net? Yes. But most of us go through life with our mind focused on everything 10 times over wondering why the heck we're not succeeding or why we're performing at an average or subpar level instead of an extraordinary level. And so we take people who are honestly super achievers in what they do and we make them even more effective by using tools like this. Amazing. Those, those are incredible. I mean, those are incredible tools and they allow, I'm guessing they allow you to be an even better coach, be able to go, be able to see those things and be able to go, right, now we can go do this. Now we can go focus on this. And one yeah. thing that I, I really want to kind of ask you, because we're, we're referring to those like people who are, you know, they're, you know, maybe they're not present or maybe they're not as focused as, as they want to be. But actually one thing that I don't, I don't know if, if you kind of uh, see this as well, one thing I kind of see is a lot of people going almost, almost feel like waking up one day and being like, how the hell did I get here? Like I'm sat here, but I don't know. I, I 
and, and they're not happy with themselves or they're not happy in the state that they're in. And and really, like, how how does someone... A, well, they've come to that realisation. What what How have they got there and what do they need to do to fix that? Well, how they got there is the habits and patterns they built in their nervous system. And the habits and patterns, really simply, are things they continuously did again and again and again without realizing that they were ingraining it into their muscle memory and their muscle memory continued that habit even when they stopped doing it consciously and took them all the way to where they are today. And so how, how that works is psychologically, uh, when we do something for the very first time psychologically, our, our brain, if you look at brain waves, there's a huge spike in brain activity the first time and then every as we're going through the motion there's all these huge spikes of brain activity now all of a sudden when you do something for the 20th time or 50th time or 10th time what it looks like is there's a huge spike in brain waves at the beginning and then it drops down into this like gentle little tiny hum of activity and then at the end it goes back up and all that means is your brain literally went into autopilot for that process you were going through meaning you have muscle memory of the concept and your body was just going through the motions without cognitively thinking, and therefore you're running a pattern in your body. Now what's interesting, based on that, a lot of us have built up patterns, tons of patterns throughout our life, how we eat, how we sleep, what we do in the morning, what we do at night, what we do throughout the day, and a lot of it's based on, depending on what, how deep you wanna go in psychology. If you look at a behaviorist concept, meaning our body is nothing more than a machine, and we program the machine to do it right or wrong, then in that concept, from a behaviorist standpoint, we've programmed our bodies to go through a very specific routine, and by programming our bodies to do that, what it's causing is whatever result we're getting is based on the program we've entered. Therefore, if you want a new result, you gotta enter a new program, meaning you have to retrain new behavior. How behavior is trained is based on pain and pleasure. When we do something and we get pleasure for it, and I'm not talking about like people clapping for us, what I'm talking about is right now, there's a bunch of people who create apps and all these like programs that we use on our phone, yep. and they're psychologically figuring out by doing studies and research on people that when I make the little circle that's a notification with a one in it, when I make it red, it literally causes dopamine to go off in your brain that dopamine, it becomes addicting. Now what happens when people get addicted to neurotransmitters and chemicals in their brain? They put a rat in a cage, and on one end of the cage, they put a lever he could push and it would give him a food pellet so he could eat. On the other side of the cage, they put a lever he could hit, and they put a little tiny neurotransmitter in his brain that every time he hits the lever, it, it causes a little bit of dopamine, a little bit of pleasure to kick off in his brain. The rat starved to death. Wow. Because it sat there and kept hitting the pleasure thing so long that it literally never took two steps to hit the other one to get a food pellet. And Crazy. that's what behaviorally we're doing that to ourselves and we don't realize it because every time you open Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, your, your text messages, your phone, it opens up, your brain sees a little notification that you've received a message and it goes, ah, dopamine. And so literally we're getting addicted to our device because someone's smart enough to do some brain research and figure out, hey, I get paid every time they open my app based on, on advertisement and all these people paying me, so therefore, I'm gonna get them addicted to my freaking app by causing dopamine to kick off in their brain constantly, and who gives a shit if they're addicted to you know, technology that could generate 
disease in their body or whatever. Yep. Instead, I don't care. I'm just going to get them addicted to it because that's how I make money. So screw you all. I'm rich. Good luck. Sure. And that's a behavioral standpoint. So if you took that thought process back down to the concept of how do you update the process if they've gotten to a place they don't want to be as a human being, you have to go back and update the behavioral patterns you've trained yourself to do every day. So a very simple question, what's one habit you do every single day that is leading you to the place you don't want to be that you need to cut out immediately? Another thought, what's one habit you have that you need to be doing every single day to get you to where you actually want to go? I was talking to a guy earlier today who saw me speak at an event in London uh, a little bit last year, and he said literally, he wrote down on his piece of paper, when I asked that question, he said, the bad habit I have that's ruining my life right now is drinking too much alcohol. And literally he told me today, he said, listen, I decided on that day I would not touch another drop of alcohol because it was ruining my life, and I knew it was, but I just kept making excuses and repeating the, the habit. Yeah. He said, I haven't touched a drop of alcohol, and it's been over 45 days since I saw you speak. And I just want to say thanks for that. Amazing. I was like, wow, that's cool. Now, I'm not someone to tell someone you should or shouldn't do something, but he knew that it was negatively affecting his life, and he decided to get rid of it, and he did. And I said, how did you do that? And he said, I had to retrain my brain where to link up pleasure and where to link up pain. I decided to link up pain to drinking alcohol and pleasure to being healthy. And I was like, wow. And he just reconditioned or reprogrammed his mind to link up lots of pleasure to what he wanted to do and lots of pain to what he no longer wanted to do. And by doing that, he freed himself from a vice that was distracting him from getting the results he really wanted. Very powerful. And then it, and he is the one, when he's the one that makes that decision, the, he makes that choice to change. That's, you know, no one can do it for him, right? He has to be the one that does that. He has to be the yep. one that takes ownership of that. That's where the power is. Amazing. I didn't tell him he should stop doing that. I didn't tell him it's jacking up his life. I just said, hey, what do you need to change? And he said, well, I need to stop doing this. I said, why? He said, because it's jacking up my life. I said, how are you going to do it? He said, I'm going to do this. Great, go do it. Awesome. So and and pe people have a misunderstanding of coaching. A lot of people show up to coaching calls and, and they say, okay, what do I do? Yeah. I'm not here to tell people what to do with their freaking life. That's up to you. But I'm here. I can help you find the best information. I can help you discover the best practices based on other people's research, based on other people's activity in life, and and based on finding the best practices and information. I can help you apply it, and I can hold you accountable to be consistent. But I'm not here to tell people how to live their lives. So I have no five fucking golden pillars to uh, being the best version of you. You have to figure that shit out and figure out what really works for you. Hundred percent. So and and. And a lot of what we're talking about here is figuring out like, you know, what's important to that person, what what they value in life and all those going down this route. And in, in your book, Live It, you talk about like the, um, I'm going to use, I think it's ideal day, right? And it was talking about, I guess that people aren't intentional about the day-to-day -day life, I guess. It's just they let it happen to them, if that kind of makes sense. Yep. Can you dive more into that process and what why that's important and and why people should be diving into like, you know, designing their life, I guess. Sure. Uh, there's really two ways to go about it, to be honest. Uh, one way is you sit back and say, hey, what do people need, want, and, and how can I make that happen? So, you know, I always say there's two ways to get a job. You can either step back and say what jobs are available, meaning who's hiring and where. And I guess I can sort of do that, so I'll take that one and hopefully do well at it. That's one way to get a job. Um, the other way to get a job is sit, sit back, sit down, and say, hey, what are all the gifts and talents that I have uniquely in my nervous system? I mean, what am I good at? What do I love to do? 
uh, based on what I'm good at, based on what I love to do, where's the cross-reference? Because some stuff you love to do and you're just horrible at. Other stuff <laughs> yes. you love to do and you're actually good at. Yeah. So therefore, what do you love to do? What are you good at? And then you gotta ask the next questions. What does the world really need? Because you could love to do something, be really good at it, and no one gives a shit. Yeah. So what do you love to do? What are you good at? And what does the world actually need? And are they willing to pay for it? And when you get a cross-reference between these four questions, you start to see something that goes, oh, this is something, I think there's a Japanese term called ikigi, which is your purpose, your reason for being. And so all of a sudden you find this reason for being and you take that out into the world and now design your life around it. And my thought is, if it's based on the fact that you're designing your life around what you feel you're made to do, or the opposite is true, the opposite is just as true. Figure out what's available, figure out who's hiring, whether you're good at it or not, figure out how to become proficient at it and go, go to the job. And that's called an employee mindset. No, no problem. That's just where you're at and yep. excel at it. And there's plenty of employees who have a great life and they love what they do and they just kind of follow what needs to be done. 100%, 100%. And, and I think there's, so a lot of the people listening, uh, they're all entrepreneurs. Uh, there's quite a few coaches or people who are thinking about entering that coaching world. And they're, you know, I know a lot of them, the struggles that they have are, they love coaching, right? They love that. Uh, they, or they love being an entrepreneur. They love that being their own business owner, but, and yet there's still this element of struggle, right? And they're still like, why aren't I where I want to be, right? I can often it's, I can help other people um, do the thing like a fitness trainer or whatever. And sometimes they struggle with it themselves. And, and with, with entrepreneurs, with people who are that kind of, they want to go get it mindset. Do you ever come across people who you're like, dude, you should just go get a job. And they're, they're currently an entrepreneur or do you think everyone has that entrepreneurial mindset or can have that entrepreneurial mindset and they just haven't quite figured out the route or the strategy yet? Sure. Most people aren't playing to their strengths and they don't know how to discover what their strengths are. Right. And that's where the struggle comes. Um, there's a test we use. And so we have a coach training program that we teach people how to become performance coaches. And in the program, one of the modules we have is a guy who comes over and has a personality test specifically built for entrepreneurs. Um, we have them take the test and figure out where their actual strengths are based on their strengths. We then, and, and so an example of something like that, that'd be similar is like the E-Myth book by Michael Gerber. Sure. He talks about there's an entrepreneur, there's a, um, I think technician, and yeah. then there's a manager and using those as the base level. If you're a manager trying to be an entrepreneur, you're not going to be effective. If you're an entrepreneur trying to be a technician, you're not going to be effective. And the example I always give is if you look at. Um, let's say the Golden State Warriors, the basketball team. Yes. The entrepreneur is is Joe Lacobe and Peter Goober. They're the, the entrepreneur. They're the money people. They're the guys taking the big risk financially every, every game. Um, the coach is Steve Kerr. He's the guy who's coaching and managing the team. And he'd be considered the manager or the, you know, the executive officer. Yep. And then there's the team, the, the practitioners, you know, um, what's his name? Clay Steph. Thompson, Steph Curry, Steph Curry yeah. um, all, all these guys, Kevin Durant. So th these Draymond, these guys are the practitioners. So if we put them out of position, watch what happens immediately. Imagine taking Steph Curry and saying, hey, every time you show up to this stadium for game night, please bring with you $15 million of your own money. And as long as the stadium is full, as long as everyone buys a hot dog and a soda, as long as everyone shows up, um, you're going to make back 20 million bucks. But if a portion of the stadium doesn't show up, if not enough people buy a hot dog, if enough people don't show up, 
um, you know, who knows? You might walk away with five million left over. You might walk away with nothing or you might walk away owing more. Uh, we don't know. Anyways, go play the game and see how you do tonight. <laughs> yeah, different level Imagine of mindset. Imagine the amount right? of stress he's going <laughs> to have trying to shoot a fucking basketball yeah. when he's like, did that guy buy a fucking hot dog? You, <laughs> you, sir, go buy on. a hot dog. I got to hit the shop, but buy a hot dog, damn yep. it. I need to make my money back. That's so fucking stressful, he'll never be able to focus on the game. Yes. Now, if you go a step further, imagine asking Steve Kerr, hey, Steve, I know you only make 10 million bucks a year, but would you mind shooting the basketball and bringing like 5 million bucks per game just to put it on the line in case people don't buy hot dogs like yep. next game? He'd be a disaster. He wouldn't be able to coach or focus on anything. Or imagine asking Peter and Joe to say, hey, can you guys get in the game and go, go shoot some hoops with Steph? And like, you know, come on, guard that guy. Guard the guy who's five feet taller than you right now. Come on, let's <laughs> yes. do it. Yeah. It's not going to work. So putting the right person who's highly skilled and talented in the wrong position fucks up the whole team. Gotcha. And so that thought process at a basic level, there's eight different entrepreneurial personalities according to our friend who's an expert on this shit. Um, but let's just say there's three. The biggest challenge most of these entrepreneurs are facing is they're in the wrong position. Gotcha. Or they don't have the right partners. Yes. And so helping them discover the fact of their strength, helping them figure out who they need to partner with, and helping them communicate effectively with that partner because effectively the partner will not be like them. What does that mean? That means they're generally not going to get along. Yep. Therefore, you have to figure out how do you help them communicate effectively across the gap so that they can strategically communicate with each other and grow the business. I have a friend of mine. He had a website business. I taught him this concept. I helped him do it. He took his business from $220,000 a year roughly in income to the next year paired up with the right partner. He jumped it all the way up to $1.8 in revenue. Boom. One year. Amazing. Paired up with the right person. I did the same thing in my coaching business. I started off, I was enrolling you know, three to five clients a month if I was lucky. I found the right partner in my very first year. We partnered up. I remember signing up 20 clients in a day. Boom. Love Most that. coaches struggle to get a client a month. Yeah, I was doing 20 in a day. 100%. So it's finding the right, knowing your strengths. Just make, I want to just recap that and make sure people have got that because that's an important, important lesson. So um, if if someone, even if you're not struggling, even if you're like doing well, but you want to be better, right? It could even be that point. So know what your strengths are, know where you excel, and then look at the areas that you can, you want to improve or develop and be, find the people, the right people to be in those positions that can help you take that business to the next level. Absolutely. Awesome. I think that's like a, a huge, huge, huge takeaway lesson there. So thank you for sharing that. I absolutely love that. Um, one more question. So they've, they've dived in. Hold on one sec. Let go. me give one other pointer here. Fine. So a lot on. of people will hear that concept and they'll say, I have to find the right people to team up with. So I'm going to go pay $20,000 and join a mastermind with the right people in it. That's not the fucking right move. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad we go. Good. Go find practitioners who can actually deliver. If I would have taken my friend and introduced him to a magical fucking mastermind for 50,000 a year that has all the right people in it, the problem was none of them are practitioners. None of them, are, a lot of people are strategists. Yes. And, and, and for some reason this, this title fucking pisses me off because I get emails all the time of like, oh, I'm a X, Y, and Z strategist. I'm a sales strategist. I'm a this strategist. I'm like, good for fucking you. And they come in, they're like, I'd like to show you five ways you can make your business better. I'm like, oh, really? Fucking go for it. Well, if you do this and this and this and this and this and this, great. I'm like, great. Which one of those things are you going to get done for us in the next 25 days? And they're like, no, 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 no. I'm the strategy person. Well, fuck off. 
I need you to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Like, listen, I have no fucking lack of strategy on our side here. We have a million and one fucking things to do that we're behind schedule on that yep. we'd always love to have done yesterday. That's most entrepreneurial problems. Yes. They don't need fucking a strategist to show up in their life and tell them more shit to get done. Now, they do need a strategist to help them show which one is more important to get done in which order. That's important. Yep. But you don't need more people telling you more fucking ideas. You need more people with a shovel picking that shit up and digging a hole with you. 100%. Or more people with a fucking welder building the building with you. And, and so understand when you're hiring people and you're bringing on team members, don't look for more people who are just going to chatter about how they think your shit could be improved. Look for people who are like, listen, I think you guys have a great strategy. I just need someone to hand me a shovel and tell me which way to fucking dig. I'm in. Look for those people. And they're harder to find because many times – it, they're focused. And so if you're an entrepreneur, you want to hire a team that's not necessarily like you, meaning yeah. in the interview, you're not necessarily going to see eye to eye and be perfectly aligned and be like, wow, this guy thinks just like me or this lady's just like me. Then normally they won't be like you. And that's okay because they're trying to offset the areas that you need offsetting in instead of just compliment all the shit you're already good at. Yeah, there's no there's no point having someone be good at the things that you're good at because you're already doing those things. Yeah, it's a waste of time. Yeah. And so that's the biggest misconception people have with this concept is like, I need to go find, I need three of me every day and that would be awesome. No, you don't. You need two other people who are nothing fucking like you to be on your team. Yeah. Now, hopefully you have some, some aligned values. Hopefully yeah. you believe in similar things in life, but you need them to have skill sets that are radically unlike yours. Therefore, they can offset it and together you can grow not sit around and talk bullshit about the same shit again and again and again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you say like bringing these people onto your team, like, and this is just a technical side of it, like question more than anything. Cause again, there's going to be people there who've, who've put, I know I speak to people who've put like five years into trying to make a business work and they just continue to struggle, to struggle, to struggle. And the idea, they, they'll either think like, and this, and, and I realize, I know where this is going to go before I even say it, but I can't afford to hire someone. And then, you know, that's one, one argument that comes up. Or it'll be, I don't want to give away a portion of my company. What like what are you going to say to those people that are just like... Sure. Let's start on the easier one. So you're making $200,000 a year if you're doing pretty well in whatever you're doing. And for most coaches, that's not the case. For most coaches, right. they're making 40000 a year or thirty-five. dollars uh, yeah. the average Over, over here in the UK, it's, it's like twenty grand a year. It's nothing. Got it. So they're struggling. Yeah. And they're telling me that they're not willing to give up, let's say 500,000 pounds to get 500,000 pounds. Instead, they're trying to be a selfish fuck and say, well, <laughs> it's more important for me to only make 20,000 pounds because I don't want to share half a million dollars with somebody as a partner. <laughs> yes. Um, so excuse the language. I apologize no, if I offended anybody, no, but, but yeah. there's some, some God honest truth in there, which is if you, if you gave up your fucking ego and you got a little bit unselfish and you split with somebody, you could go make a million pounds the next year and be 500,000 or 480,000 pounds richer than you are fucking today. And that's a whole different set of problems than making 20,000 pounds thinking, well, I don't want to split it with anybody because it's mine. Um, I, I'd get over your ego and, and, you know, get creative on how you can split that up. Now, I would not suggest doing a 50-50 split because that leads to a fucking disaster later on in business. Um, I, I would come up with a different type of partnership solution and if the brand is all about you, you might want to reconsider. It's nothing wrong. It's great to have a personal brand, 
but you might really want to consider having a separate business brand that's different from you where you and your partner can work together as partners and build it. And therefore, if at any point in the future you cannot show up yourself personally, the brand can still hold space. The example with that is the Blue Man Group. Um, if you noticed, like, do you know who who's which Blue Man? No. Not. They're all the same fucking blue man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and who yeah, knows? Yeah. Maybe some of them are blue women. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a reason for that because they figured out if the main actors aren't there, people don't like to come and see the show. Yeah. No one knows who the main actors are in this case. There's just a bunch of blue people running around. Therefore, they can have multiple blue men shows going on in multiple cities at multiple times that everyone's enjoying and no one really gives a shit who's on stage or who's not. It's just yes. as long as the show's great. Yeah. And so that concept is something really important that I learned kind of midway through my building out of my coaching practice of it would kind of be nice to not have to have five calls a day and still have people's lives being changed in a positive way. Yes. Now, I love coaching, so I love doing it anyways. And and at the same time, though, it would also be nice to sometimes be able to just take a week off and have all my clients being cared for by another coach on our team because it's a team practice who's helping them instead of just one of us. Yes. And and therefore, it becomes useful down the road. In the beginning, a little iffy to say that, but down the road, it becomes very useful. 100%. Especially if you team up with a group of people that all have different strengths because now when you all get a client, you're like, hey, why don't you sign up for a package? It's a little bit more expensive than working with just one of us. But here's what's neat. You get access to all of us. And you get so many hours per month. You can call any of us and, and we'll use them in 15-minute segments. And we'll help you with different things. And all of us are good at different things on the team. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this is cool. I have a friend who does this in Silicon Valley for startups. And, and it works great. It's added value, isn't it? It's yep. huge added value, bringing the strengths of different people and, and allowing people to access that huge added value. Yeah, yep. amazing. Again, another huge lesson there. And I hope people are listening and taking notes and being like, right, how can I now? Or I've got the tools and the strategy. As you said, now it's a matter of go doing. Awesome. Jack, I'm very aware of time and I want to make sure I just want to clear, uh, start finishing this up. So two more questions for you. First one is super, super, super easy. Where can people come and find out more about you, find out about what you're doing, your work, and, and get involved and interact with you? Sure. Easy, easiest way is just Google me. I mean, go to Google, type in J-A-I-R-E-K space R-O-B-B-I-N-S. It'll pull up everything you need to know about me. Um, find us on Facebook. We do Facebook Lives just about every day when we're home. Uh, we have a podcast. We have um, Instagram, Twitter, find us on all the platforms and come and join us on all of them. Cause we put different stuff up in different places just to help people. Um, go to my website, jerickrobbins.com. We have a book that's out. You can go grab a copy of for like, I don't know, eight bucks on Amazon or something. Yep. Deepak Chopra endorsed it. Brian Tracy endorsed it. A friend of ours, Stuart Allison, who's the you know chief master sergeant U S air force endorsed it. All these guys thought it was a great book. So go check it out. See if it works for you. Um, if, if you're someone who is a coach who wants more tools or better tools or, or to better understand how to run and manage your business, check out performancecoachuniversity.com. We train people in how to be performance coaches and how to maximize their skill set, their clients' results, and use all the tools we use to, to help their clients and team. Perfect. So th those, are, those are the places that go check out. Perfect. I'll have all of those linked up in the show notes as well, Jack, so people can go and find those for sure. And final question for you. Well, it's less of a question, really. It's just what kind of... Uh, what piece of parting advice or guidance or a quote or anything would you like to leave these guys, the audience who are sat here listening today? Sure. For all the guys and gals listening, I, I would say my just simple core philosophy, uh, learn it, live it, give it, you know, sit down and define what life you really want to have and, and what you dream of. 
learn what it takes to turn that into reality, live it, fully apply all that you learn and, and turn that vision into actual reality for yourself and, and give it, find a way to pay it forward and share it with others. Not as the five fucking golden pillars of life, but more or less uh, an option that has worked for you and hopefully some of it can be useful for them. 100%. Jarek, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate your time. It's been absolutely fantastic. So much value has been dropped there. I'm going to have to be writing up the show notes like crazy to make sure that we cover it all. But thank you so, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Have a wonderful day, Jarek, and we'll see you soon. Deal. And there we have it, everybody. Another amazing episode with Jarek Robbins. And you'll be able to go and get all the show notes and the resources that he spoke about over at level10living.co.uk forward slash 30. That's three zero. And please remember to like it, share it, comment, go and leave me a rating and review over on iTunes. That would mean the absolute world to me. And I thank you for all those who do that. Other than that, that's all from me for this week, guys. I will see you next week. Bye.